This is a HeadGum Podcast. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, Halflings! It's me, Jasper William Cartwright, and I am joined today by... Jeremy Cobb, but Neil Powell from Dungeon Master's Block calls me Floyd Neil Powell the Fourth. <laughs> oh yeah, isn't that? Aren't you his son or something? Yes, I'm officially his son. That now. was the origin of that. <laughs> uh, we hit it off so well. I've been adopted. <laughs> so good, so so good. Uh, well, today, halflings, I am so so excited. It's finally happening. We have an incredible guest on the show today. She is a going to be a juror for the Tribeca uh, Game Festival or, or for Tribeca Festival that's happening. Um, for Good the games basketball. category, uh, uh, she is uh, a part of the Black Dice Society that is over on Dungeons and Dragons. Um, she's the founder and uh, curator of Into the Motherlands as well, uh, including the uh, current Kickstarter that's happening. Um, if you haven't guessed it already, it's the incredible Tanya DePass. How are you doing today? Oh my god! This is the wrong dungeon and the wrong dragon. <laughs> Full Prince vibe? Woof! <laughs> this makes them even more black! Cake glitches and bitches! And lands in the cusp of a teaspoon? Oh no! On a nat 20. No! You think this is just a game? That's disgusting and I love it! Yeah! We're about to get into something real big now. I'm good. You're going to make me blush with all of these uh, listings. I'm like, oh, wait, you're talking about me. I got time to go. Goodbye. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much for joining us, Tanya. Uh, And the the reason is you've got such an extensive list of incredible work. Uh, All of it, like the highest standard. I didn't even mention Rivals of Waterdeep, which is wild. I completely blanked (laughs) on that one, uh, which is crazy. Uh, So, yeah, thank you so much for being here. We've uh, been very excited to talk to you so first things first we always do a little origin story on our show we like to find out just sort of what got you into ttrpgs what got what made you fall in love with them um just yeah what was your avenue into this crazy world that we find ourselves in oh goodness i uh so i was like telling stories i was always creative i was that kid you know that always like filled notebooks and stuff Mm. and uh D first edition was a way for me to flex that imagination telling my own stories and so i got into that i like i am arcade years old i remember going <laughs> and lining my quarters up and you know waiting to get in and, and get in on street fighter and cruising usa and, and things like that but with D, you know i was i was with it for a while actually was in a really long uh three and a half year campaign when three five was still uh, the main edition of D. Mm. kind of skipped over four slash pathfinder and then um, Greg Tito, who is a uh, yeah. friend, also works mm-hmm. in Watsi, um, invited me to come on Dragon Talk. 
and, you know, talk about it because he had been following what I do with I Need Diverse Games. And he's like, hey, why don't you come on Dragon Talk? I heard you talking about like D&D and, and how you hadn't played in a while and, you know, fifth edition's out. So, and also I just think what you do is really cool. And it's funny because even though I knew the man worked at Wizards of the Coast, it didn't click that it was like the official Wizards podcast <laughs> yeah. until I was like getting ready to like hop on the call. And I was like, wait. This is like the for really real D and D podcast <laughs> from Watsi. Oh shit! Okay, I was like, into the can, big I have, leagues. "Can I have ten minutes? I just need to prepare for this little." You know, <laughs> it's like you know, Greg. Greg's really cool and he's dope. And like we we had a really good chat about like why I left D and D and about the lack of inclusion and just the barriers to entry because you know, as we all know, that our hobby is not cheap, mm-hmm. and um, and so we just got into this great conversation. Uh, fifth edition had just dropped very recently and then he's like hey and he showed me like the the iconic human which was a black woman in proper armor yeah and i was like wait she's dark skin she's got mm. you're like me she's a human she's not like scantily dressed or whatever yeah and and oh my god i'm back in so <laughs> i that was all it took and uh the so, power of yeah. representation, right? Like, yeah. right. It's, it's and I smart, was just, yeah. I was just like, I dope. I'm in. I'm totally in for this. And like, he hooked me up with a lot of D and D stuff because I didn't have any of the books. I had got out of it, and you know, I wasn't. You know, this was still when you really need to be able to go to your buddy's house. We, there was not really online play as as a as a good option for people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it was like, you know, a lot of my friends are now spread across the globe because thanks internet and you know time passed you know i got into it did a few local um games and then later he was like hey do you know anyone in chicago who'd be interested in doing a game like an official watsi game and i was like sure and so i hit up uh shreve cicero brandon i was like here's here's a thought and like some of them had never played D before like had never touched a d20 and uh, it was like, cool. And the whole idea was it's easy to learn how to play D&D. And we never set out to be the brown shell. You know, <laughs> sure, we, never, yeah. we never set out to be like the, hey, look, brown people playing D&D. But unfortunately, that's mm-hmm. how we're pigeonholed now. Ten mm-hmm. seasons later. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we got to go to Stream Many Eyes and we premiered. And it's just been uphill from there. And I re I re-sparked that love of storytelling, that love of of tabletop, you know, got to play many other systems, many other things, got to make so many friends. Um, you know, I, it's where I met B. Dave Walters, where I met Kristen Ariel in person, uh, met Matt Mercer and all these cool people where to me, they were just like names on the screen. They, you know, like I knew they were real people, but I was like, I'll never get to talk to those people. Yes. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that is so the journey. That is so the journey. I can <laughs> definitely testify Actually, to that. I have, I have a, uh, that, that kind of leads me into a question. We did something a little bit differently for this particular interview and uh, allowed our patrons to submit questions uh, on our Patreon. And Russ Lizetsky actually asked a very relevant question to this. Um, so you've been playing since 3.5, right? Uh, or uh, even before, since actually. First edition, yeah, yeah. I re- actually, I remember reading that you've been playing since first. Um, yeah. How would you say, uh, Russ asks, uh, he's curious for your insights into how the D&D community, TTRPG community, uh, D&D itself, and other TTRPGs have evolved in managing their biases in recent years. Uh, how are there things that have improved, worsened, etc.? Mm. I would honestly say 
that they have not. Um, because if you look at the reactions to some of the things some of us have said in, you know, like in media about the show and articles we got covered by the New York Times, the reactions of, I don't care about skin color. Why are you going to make it about race? Mm-hmm. Or like when uh, Brandon Stennis, who played Rin Leodon, talked about he made his character dark skin on purpose. He is a black elf. Immediately someone jumped in. I was like, oh, so you mean he's a drow? And it's like, no, he's just a brown elf. Mm-hmm. Shockingly, elves can be multiple skin tones, just like people. And also <laughs> elves aren't real. Yeah, so there's no actual rules, right, guys? Right. You want to know this? <laughs> um, and, you know, just the just some of the things we've gotten, you know, and I, and I don't want to downplay the success or the reaction and the positive reaction to Motherlands, but some of the questions we've gotten, some of the reactions we've gotten, um, you know, when we're on front page and they see all brown faces, some of the slurs and we just start seeing message deleted, mm. message deleted, message deleted as we get mm. to the page. Yeah. It's... In many ways, the biases are getting there, but it's a very slow climb. There are good people who care. They want to fix it. And the problem is, one, a lot of still the top people that are making games are all still mostly run by cis straight white dudes. Hmm. And when we do make our own, then it's you're excluding me. It's like you have 50 years of games to go play. Yes, you have so much. And we're not even saying you can't play this, <laughs> right? Like I wish you're I could saying share. You can. <laughs> well, I mean, if it wouldn't be ethically wrong and just kind of tacky, I wish I could just make a mood board of all the messages I've gotten on Kickstarter oh, of boy. can I play yeah. this in my white or how do I play this as a white person? And I'm gonna. This is gonna be my first cuss of the day. Uh, you <laughs> Get pick it up in. the fucking book and play it. Yeah. You know, none of well, yeah. none of us. If any of us got on Twitter or social and said, "You know, I really want to get in D anD D, but can I play it as a black person?" Yes, you you yeah. know that we would be roasted forever. Mm. We would yeah. be roasted forever. That's welcome to welcome to being a uh, black person picking up any kind of fantasy thing. If you like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Unless you're born Basically now, genre fiction in general. Yeah, uh, engaging that, with any form of genre fiction. Yeah. Sort of like um, Afrofuturist, which is like that. That while it's a very uh, what would be the word fruitful genre, is not the mainstream. No, uh, right. I completely agree. I think that there's. I think that there's a lot of friction right now. It, I feel like what you see. It's, it feels like tectonic plates shifting between the sudden influx of new, more progressive and diverse players uh, with with the advent of, like, 5th edition, and then the old guard, mainstream D&D, the people who are in charge, as well as just the people who have been fans, the majority, like, the, the classic, the classic stereotypical white, straight, male D&D mm-hmm. player. Uh, obviously, there have been people of all stripes uh, playing D&D all along, as you proved, because you've been playing since 1st edition, but I think I think we're seeing the, the I think... With like shows like Critical Role, for instance, uh, or other shows like Dimension Twenty or Adventure Zone, the the biggest D and D shows, their fan bases seem to have a huge progressive bent. 
to the point where, like in the case of Adventure Zone, there have been controversies when the fan base felt like the the certain elements weren't progressive enough. Uh, but that mm. clearly runs in contrast to like if you watch, I've I watched some videos from the recent Baldur's Gate three. And the comments on there are like, ah, I really like that the drow in this game are all really, really evil. And that all the goblins in this game are really this way. And I was like, oh, okay. This is clearly a very different crowd of people than the ones mm. who are, than the ones who say generally would be listening to our show. So I think you see yeah. like, what you see, like, and the, the kickback that you guys have been getting, I think is a lot from that old guard who are trying to resist the change. And that's where I, that's where I see the, the tension between the tectonic plates shifting. Hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of old guard and there's a lot of people that are just ridiculous. And there's no better way to say it except <laughs> the people like the people that get mad about, you know, us wanting representation. And I'm like, you all will sit here and write dissertation length posts and books and articles about why, oh, no, this is some SJW agenda, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, you know, the cyberpunk genre that you all love so much to tell you a black dude created it mike pondsmith mm. is is a black dude he's like an old school black dude i'll tell you where to go mm. when you <laughs> him and his son and his son created the witcher rpg so here are these two mm. things mm. that you know that a lot of people and this you know folks may get mad i don't know and i don't care of a lot of white people cling to as their thing yep and you know they the whole lack of humanity and cyberpunk stuff like that and, you know, just the, oh, my God, Polish mythology. Black people existed in medieval times, y'all. Yeah. We did not get manufactured because of U.S. of the mid-Atlantic slave trade. We existed. The Moors, all this other stuff. Pick mm-hmm. up a fucking history book. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, this is still fantasy. None of elves and orcs and dragons and all this stuff is not real. But yet people will go to the mat to defend this and their realism. And I'm like, but it's not real. No one is actually an elf. Do you not understand this? Mm. Mm. I can understand the, the wanting some definition for a fictional thing. Cause in order for anything to kind of exist, there has to be a distinction between it and everything else around it. But when you have such a narrow idea of it, that it's like, it can only be this way. Uh, I think what you're seeing is a but like the essence of an elf is not pale skin, like that's mm. that's not really the root of it. Um, th- I think, and I think that's kind of what people. It's like uh, when people get upset uh, at. There are multiple reasons why people get upset at superheroes when they have their race changed, like when people, mm. uh, like when they're talking about like potential black Superman. But I feel like some of that is just based on the idea of like, but when I think of Superman, he's white. There's mm. nothing about that character that's intrinsically white. Uh, you can mm-hmm. even there are black people in Kansas, not tons of them, but we exist. Uh, there are yeah. black farmers in the United States. In fact, really, the fact that he's specifically from Kansas, I would say, is not as intrinsic to the character as just the fact that he's from a rural community in general. And there are plenty of those that are full of black people all over the U.S. So that character can easily translate. It's the same with elves. The elves are elegant, regal, ethereal, above it all, long lived. There's nothing in that that is implicitly white. The the mm. the the reason they're coded that way is because Tolkien was drawing from that mythology. But like like you're saying, they're fictional. You can easily say, well, there are regal, elegant, tall, beautiful black people who exist all over the world. You could just as easily reskin that. Um, yeah. I'm right but there with po- you. 
but I think part of it as well is got to do with the fact that people see it, see the that as their, you know, in their own image, right? Like the the cisgender white guy who has an issue with them changing the race of Superman is kind of going, well, uh, I see Superman in my own image, and therefore I have a problem with you changing that image because then it's no longer me, mm. and like, and I'm like, well, like Jesus, but you've Every already got has yeah. a different Jesus. <laughs> yes, exactly, and I'm like, well, you've already got him. That's not going anywhere, you know? We're just giving other people an opportunity to also experience the same thing. <laughs> like, yeah, I it's, mean, it's not uh, difficult. What was that movie? It was a trilogy. It was like Head Mockingbird. Because the character was like... Oh, was uh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Yeah. Rue was described in the book as black. Mm, and I remember this she was cast in the movie as black. And the way some of these people tripped out... And I'm like, did you read the book? Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you read you it? Sure? And I realized no one's going to see me making these gestures, but I want to do it anyway. <laughs> um, so for those who are wondering what I'm talking about, I literally held up my hand like I was pointing at a book. Because yeah. I've gotten... It was I so... It was very convincing. <laughs> I know, but it was like... I'm so in Zoom mindset, I just assume everything's video now. Yeah, um, I'm so... Yeah. I, I do the same all the time on this show. I always do yeah. it. Especially when we're doing actual play stuff. I'm always oh like, gosh. and I come in like this! It's such a thing for me too. <laughs> I will like, mind things constantly when I'm narrating. Yeah, and Jeremy like, minds oh, stuff yeah. all the time. It's and then you're funny. like, wait, no one will ever see this. Crap. <laughs> uh, unless you're part of the Patreon, Patreon, then you'll yeah, see then the actual you get the video version of, of the actual yeah. play <laughs> and understand what all these awkward moments of silence are. <laughs> We're just yeah. silently chatting. No, but it's just it's so wild to me. Or you know. You know, and and without reading it verbatim, because I also try, I also archived it because reading it, I felt like I lost my key points. Mm. Someone, what, you know, you know, like how people try to go the long way around and basically asking how to not be a racist. Mm-hmm. Someone mm-hmm. did this because the unfortunate part is, that, as I remembering, when you run a Kickstarter, anyone can message you whether or not they're a backer. Mm. Oh, right. right. I did not know that until. Because I didn't have the same issues when I ran one other Kickstarter like a few years ago. That should mm-hmm. feels like that should be a feature. <laughs> they that, should bring in. That, the feature should be fixed so that you can't say shit to me unless I set a level of, you give me at least $10 and you can talk to me. Um, <laughs> but this, this person wrote like this long message about basically asking in a very roundabout way how to play this game respectfully as a white person. Mm-hmm. And they also included their character concept. And I'm like, I just looked at it and like every, I don't give a single flying fuck just jumped out of my head and my mouth. Cause I think we were prepping to go live on motherlands when I saw it. And I was like, you misspell POC, how you misspell three letters. I don't know. You misspell <laughs> it, and, and it could have been an autocorrect thing, but you think you'd catch it if you did it more than once. Cause it was more than once. It meant, they clearly meant POC, but it was something else. Wow. Um, and then they misspelled high and all, and they basically wanted to make a, a nice white person version of what I play on the show. And I was like, I was just like, there'll be a section on how to play the other in the book. And that was all I said. And I was just like, cause if I go into, if I turn on rant, Tanya, mm. I will be here all night and I will miss the show. Mm. Yeah. I do think this, this does bring up like quite an interesting point though, which I think that we've had to kind of negotiate a little bit and I've never I didn't I guess I didn't anticipate having to negotiate this which is like um what what level you can invest in 
explanation, what level you can invest in kind of mm. teaching people these things and what level you kind of just need someone to go and find out for themselves, like to put in the work and to just figure it out, you know? Because I think that there definitely comes like a certain level where you're like, oh, okay, here we go again, you know, trying to kind of go over the same things, the same points, which, mm. uh, to be honest, and this is the thing that I feel like we've come up against in the show, people have made the point a lot better than I will. You know what I mean? So, like, mm. don't come to me, go and read a book or something well, that, where someone's going to have written it down really well, this point that I'm trying to make. Do you know what I, I mean? I think that's one of the advantages. I do know what you mean. I think that's one of the advantages of having a record, like having a, basically an archive of recordings. Because mm. when we, we do sometimes get questions that we've already addressed on the show. And the nice thing is, once we've addressed it, it now exists in consumable <laughs> form. So if yeah. a person already likes the show, we can be like, hey... Go check this out. Or like the books you've read or articles or other videos that you've read, those are also exist as records. But I, I do understand what you, b both of you are saying about like the fatigue of having people constantly coming at you. And some of them are coming in good faith, asking sincere questions. It sounds mm -hmm. like this particular person was trying to come in good faith. They may not have successfully hit all the right, uh, <laughs> pressed all the right buttons along the way, but they, <laughs> it sounds like they may have had good intentions. But at the same time, you have some people with terrible intentions who are just uh, slinging abuse or throwing up ridiculous points that, uh, as, a, as a very small example, we haven't gotten a whole lot of this yet, because uh, I don't think we're famous enough, but... Well, we're on, we're on ready a, for it. It's coming. <laughs> hold on, hold that thought. Y'all are black and on the internet. That's all it takes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's because... not a matter of fame. It's not a matter of visibility. It's you are a black person on the internet with an opinion that you did not hold or you did not massage for white comfort. And mm -hmm. that is all it takes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we were on Dragon Talk, uh, which has probably been the most mainstream exposure that we've had, uh, so, most of the comments were very positive, but a couple of people were asking like these clearly very pointed questions that were just trying to be critical and clearly also indicated that they hadn't even watched the video because they, all of those questions were answered in the video itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like, I can only imagine if we were getting those kinds of messages on a very regular basis from people on Twitter and other platforms, just getting bombarded with this stuff and, and then mixed in with all of like the, hey, as a white person, I would really like to play a person of color. How can I? And they're like, and or, oh, well, what do you think about doing accents with blah, blah, blah. And like all of these. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to say is I think I feel when you mentioned rant, Tanya, I feel like I got an image of, of all of the components <laughs> that went into creating uh, rant, Tanya. <laughs> rant, Tanya. <laughs> all of like the, the Frankenstein's lab of all of the abuse and different things that were, that uh -huh. were composed into this persona. <laughs> yeah. um, and well, and the thing is, rant, Tanya is, is and, and I say that and it's like the rant, Tanya may not be the best name for it, but it's the best I got in the moment of like you said, all those things where it's a constant bombardment, but it's also emotional labor. And at a certain point it becomes emotional abuse when it's constant and it's harassment. Um, mm. You know, like someone back for simply a dollar because that meant they could comment and they just harangued us literally for days about how we rushed this. We were so unprofessional all because everyone is so caught mm -hmm. up on you haven't said what system it's using. And it's like, okay, I get it. And I'm going to be greasy on Maine and let's just say I know a lot of that is because of the other Afrofuturist Kickstarter that is that is now almost two years late, where Du tried to do by himself, 
and was a whole problem because he acted like the one and only black person and arbiter of true blackness in RPGs and bludgeoned people with, if you don't support me and you white, you are automatically a racist. And if you're not white, then you don't want to see somebody succeed. And it's like, but hold on. Let's go back and look at the tape, shall we? Mm. What black people did you go to publicly to promote your shit? Mm. What black people did you go to that you gave an early look to, which, again, publicly, very publicly, you ran to every big white name in the industry to, to hawk your I'm blacker than black as every black person's ever been book. That's two years late. And now mm-hmm. that that because that has been a concern ever since that all went down of this dude has fucked it up for everybody else. And since we black people and we're here, let's just put it on the table. One, now skin folk is kin folk. Mm-hmm. And two, whether or not you want to, whether or not we like it, once you have any visibility, you become the arbiter of blackness against your, often against your will. Mm-hmm. And you know, people put you on a pedestal. They act like, oh, well, you made it. I got as far. Like, no, just I must put this out here. Don't try to be like nobody but you. But also realize that you're one mistake. Because, you know, we can't fuck up. Yeah. We fuck yep. up. This, uh, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Yep. Then everybody else black suffers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's a heavy weight to bear. The thing is, none of us ever ask for it. It's just put around our neck like, like the yokes <laughs> of old, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it's like I, I'm just trying to make a dope game with people I like and give people some of the joy that I've gotten coming back to RPGs. But no, we we need to be held up like we're perfect. Oh, you did this, and it's like stop giving people so much fucking credit. Stop treating them like they're gods because they managed to put out a book. Plenty of people put out books, mm-hmm. and in this case, mm-hmm. they even put out a book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look, uh, I told you I was going to get greasy on me because I'm tired. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's I'm Friday. No, nah, I'm here for it. Like, it, we, yeah, we've spoken about it a few times on the show about this kind of the, the, the realization that, oh, like, we need to be, like, perfect. Like, we need to be very mm-hmm. good at what we're doing because there's, like, there's this expectation which just doesn't come with uh doing you know like we we just haven't noticed from similar people yep. similar shows that have started around a similar time that go, don't get you know comments or thoughts or you know things that we do uh and also there's a there's a pressure from in you know we get incredible comments we get people that are like i you know you've done so much and you've helped us and which is the majority you know which is yeah which is absolutely the majority but that also in itself makes you go like oh, okay oh my god okay let me just because <laughs> you I end just, up feeling pressure catch my breath a second because that's yeah. a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah um i i i wondered uh do you feel like um wizards and like the people in charge of D are trying how with varying success, let's say, uh, <laughs> to move in a more progressive direction. Considering, like, for instance, you have been on Dragon Talk. They sought us out last year. We've been on mm-hmm. Dragon Talk. Uh, the, I mean, you're on m- official D&D shows, like streams and so forth. It seems like there is the, the, uh, the, the human, uh, the, as we mentioned, the model human woman for 5th edition is a black woman. Mm. It... I, it, I don't think in I don't think anybody would say that it's perfect. Well, nobody who's not white would say that it's perfect. <laughs> but I, I think would you agree that to some that there seems to be a general, perhaps glacial movement of wizards itself to shift more towards uh, diversity. 
there is a very slow movement. And the thing is, and you know, mindful of, you know, inside baseball, what I know and what I can't talk about mm. as with any company. And this is, and this is the frustrating part is that, you know, I have the privilege to know a lot of insider baseball. And I know that there are people who are doing their best and they're doing what they can, but also people don't seem to realize Watsi's now owned by Hasbro. Mm. And so it's not just, Oh, this spunky little company that used to be TSR. Now they are owned by Hasbro and they're part of a larger thing. Um, they are making an attempt, but also what we saw with what happened to Ryan Black and mm-hmm. some people who wrote for Candlekeep Adventures yep. and the experience that they had. It feels like for every couple of steps forward, they fall several steps back. And I think a lot of it's not going to change until they get people on staff that are not white dudes. And, you know, I, I like Jeremy. He's a friend. But also... Stop holding up, look, we're good at the queer thing as their arbiter of diversity. Mm-hmm. Because Rivals is their only... This is Jeremy gift. Crawford, by the way, not me, Jeremy. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, not you. Yeah, Jeremy. Well, you don't, you don't <laughs> work in Watsi. You don't it's work in Watsi, so... Um, <laughs> but, you know, just getting people in the door that, you know, are, are not white dudes, whether they be cis... Um, or, or straight or whoever, or, or queer and get people that you're, you're going to actually listen to and not have more situations like what, um, Orion went through and, and had to speak out very publicly about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, because how many of us have been the only black person at a company? We've been the only black person at the table or in the room. And, yep. and this is the part where I get, where I get the frustration because I mean, I know we saw all the things of people who wanted movement they wanted immediate response from Watsi. they want all this other stuff but it's like a corporate co- a corporate wheel is very slow mm. and this isn't excusing Watsi. don't get me wrong but see people seem to forget that there is no one person in any company that can just pull the lever and make things happen mm. you know you got to have a meeting about a meeting get a committee about a committee and do all this other stuff before you can say anything publicly lawyers got to look at it, you got to massage it People got contracts and NDAs. They can't just be out here ripping their bag open and letting everything fall out because you personally are mad and affronted. Because what I found is a lot of the people who want to be out here mad and affronted never would have worked with Watsi anyway. They hate D&D. We know they hate D&D. But instead of being productive and going to find something else to do with their time, like, okay, you hate D&D. We've established that. What are you doing to make the system better? And this isn't a don't talk about Watsi, but if all you ever do is get on Twitter and yell and scream and talk about how bad Watsi is at every opportunity, every turn, but yet you actually do not contribute to the community, the greater RPG community, what are you doing beside just stoking fires? Go lift up other people of color. Go lift mm. up women and queer folks. Go lift yourself up. Go make a fucking, you know, one page RPG. Hell yeah. And. Mm. And also the people that want to come after folks of color who are still working with Watsi or work at Watsi, you know, they, they do have some designers of color now. Are mm. you going to really sit there and expect these people to quit their jobs in solidarity in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of an employment slump, because their moral, their moral superiority has to be higher than your outrage. And that's the part that I think people... It makes me angry. I'm not going to say frustrated. It makes me angry mm. because you'll get these people that go, well, you should quit. 
okay, you paying my bills? Where, where's the I should quit money? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I should quit fund. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where's black fund that's been set up yeah. for me or, to quit this or job? Even, <laughs> right, or even the, well, we should make our own. I'm like, okay, that's cool, but let's be real. Motherlands was funded by Twitch's money. I didn't have that kind of money to sit around. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have crowdfunded that kind of money. And because we had the base of the show, that's why the that's why the Kickstarter is doing well. Because B. Dave Walters, who has done several s- successful Kickstarters and knows what he's doing and has a marketing background and is running the show for that, that's why it's successful. This isn't a, oh, people just giving you money because you're black and they feel sorry. Mm-hmm. Trust me, the ways that people have responded to Motherlands, to the Kickstarter, to some of us and the things we do. If it was just simple, if I held my hat out virtually and said, give me money because I'm black, I wouldn't have to work. But I'd also be really bored. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be most but, but to, <laughs> Right, but to not ramble, not get too far off the path is that the moral purity tests of people who want to sit here, sit here and be mad at and Watsi and, and whoever because they don't fit their personal you know, definition of morally pure. and Because I, like, you know, we brought up Critical Role earlier and people sit there and talk shit about Critical Role. And granted, you know, I didn't know about Critical Role much because I could never stay up and watch it. Mm-hmm. And I got into it more after I met Matt and got to know him, got to kind of watch the show, but I still can't make it through a whole episode. It's one in the morning. <laughs> and but I actually saw someone write an open letter, a white queer, no less, write an open letter to to Critical Role saying, you should fire the cast or some of the cast and give a black person a role. What? (laughs) And I saw that and I was just like... They friends. Like, come on. It's a (laughs) fundamental misunderstanding of what that show is. But it's not even just how the... It's not even just that they're friends and the the show grew out of a friend's... Out of a home game because they're all voice actors. It's... Again, you expect them to just literally fire someone on mm-hmm, your fucking mm-hmm. say so when you're not even speaking for the group that you want represented. You're a rando white dude who happens to be queer that is writing an open letter like you have that much weight mm-hmm, and responsibility. Mm-hmm. Or just mm-hmm. even when people go, you should fire someone so or someone so should quit. Or like, um, you know, whenever there's those calls for firing someone, and granted, I, I have no qualms saying someone should be fired if they fucked up and they're a terrible mm-hmm, person, they're abusive. Mm-hmm. I'm not excusing that, but a lot of people go from zero to this person should be fired. Oh, and you should just give this other person a job. They don't know if that person wants a job. They don't know if that person is willing to move for a job, has any interest, is even looking for a job. Mm. Or, you know, it's like, a, and it comes down to what a lot of us deal with. And, you know, and I'm including you all in this is that. People forget that we're people. They treat us as personas. They treat us like we're walking object lessons. Mm-hmm. And people have already treated Motherlands like an empathy engine. Oh, I can't. And I saw a tweet about this. I didn't respond. I was just like, and time to mute you because if I answer, it's going to be real bad right now. Because <laughs> it was six in the morning pre-coffee when I saw the tweet. I'm like, let me just. That's never that a good time to respond to anyone. Mm. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. But it's like, people are treating us like it's some grand social experiment empathy engine. And I'm like. No, we're just making a fucking sci-fi yeah, game. Go play it. Fucking great game. Just, you know what I mean? Like, if you want to play it, give us some money. If you don't, then don't. Like, it's fine. <laughs> and also, like, no one is making you back the Kickstarter. People act like we uh, appearing behind them with a gun to their head going, give us money. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
This HeadGum Podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, wow. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura Frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there. And you know what? You can update it with an app. So every time you take a new picture of a sweet little uh, person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A Frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. Headgum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code headgum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. I, this, this, whole, this whole conversation is reminding me of uh, the, the, the classic hip-hop hop song, The Message. Like the don't push me because I'm close, close to, to the, the edge. edge. Exactly. This <laughs> is what it feels. I think for a for a, uh, a probably any kind of minority creator trying to enter a space like this, you get hit with all of these pressures, and over time, it just wears on you, and it can be difficult to it can be difficult to navigate. I think there's. Uh, Certainly for us, and I'm sure. I mean, like, look at the look at the uh, overwhelming positive out uh, response that uh, that into the motherlands has gotten, uh, mm-hmm. and like our show has gotten all sorts of positive response. Like, there's definitely many, 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 many bright spots, but it can get real tough out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to ask on a slightly lighter note. Um, uh, Jason Lillis from our, from our Patreon had asked, what's it like jumping back and forth between all the systems that you create for and play? Uh, do you have a special way of prepping for each or a mental categorization trick that helps best? So for Motherlands, it's mostly kind of touching base and we, we get on Zoom early enough, um, where we have about 40 minutes while our producer gets everything together and we get a chance to chat and usually Eugenio, if he hasn't reached out by either Slack, email, or some other way, um, he kind of, you know, he tells us kind of like, you know, it'll be combat heavy, it'll be more narrative heavy tonight, this is what I'm planning, this is where I hope to end at, because uh, Motherlands has gone from a three-hour show to a two-hour show, mm. um, so, you know. I know there, the feeling. There's, <laughs> there's less time to tell the story, 
but also we are so we he still has a plan for what we're doing um and you know it's you know it's kind of getting a position getting getting in the character's head with any show um and with rivals it's a lot more because i'm the producer as well as being on camera so mm-hmm. it's the Will technology fail me today? What's going to go wrong? Did Windows update? Um, because I know the one, feeling. Yeah, like one, well, uh, we both know this, that feeling. Yeah, yeah, not this last episode, but the second episode of our current season, Windows screwed up audio, and it wasn't picking up my headphones, wasn't picking up my mic, and I'm like, I'm talking, and and the irony is, we were in the Zoom call, but then Audacity didn't want to pick up anything, and then. Xsplit was like, who are you? Yeah. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to cry. And I almost did. That's why I looked so grumpy in that episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then with Black Dice, it's a little more complicated because it's horror. It's something very different from how I normally play. I'm, my character is very different from like Sleece <clears throat> or Invicta or other characters I've got to play. And we're normally in costume. The last few weeks post-move, I'm like, oh God, where is everything? I can't find it, anything. Mm. Um but it's it's getting more into that mindset, and again, we're on our Zoom calls pretty early, so usually it's like we check in, and Dave is very communicative. We have a we have a group Twitter DM where we kind of check in, or somebody's running late, what have you. But it's getting in that mindset of okay, it's Dave. He may kill all of us. Who knows? <laughs> um, I've gone to death saves twice within ten episodes. Yeah, mm. and, you know, I'm playing a, a Dampier, which is different, and it's new with Ravenloft. Oh, I love those. Yeah, yeah. And I'm playing a Drow, um, which normally I I have feelings about the Drow, but I'm trying to to do my small part to turn it on its head. Yes. Um, and you know, with all the new stuff that's in Ravenloft, kind of things we get to do with each each level. Um, we're level three now. We started as what at level one, and um, it's getting in that mindset. And also, you know, we're in a Zoom call, so we're always checking in. Um, and kind of going, hey, I want to do a thing. It's kind of rude, but you know, it's just in character. And, and you know, that, that check-in at the table is is a thing that keeps going. And it is three hours. We also record a post-session for the patrons. So mm. Thursday is also kind of a long night. Mm. And usually by the time we're done with that, we're all like, I like you all, but I got to go. It's been like four hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then I wind up being up super late because the brain won't shut off. I'm sure you're used to that where like after a game, yep. your brain is like, oh. Yes, yeah. yeah, so that's bad. why actors drink so much. Partly is because, yeah. like, after a show, you have all this adrenaline. You're just <laughs> and you like everybody wants to go out and drink. Like yeah. it's tough to come down sometimes. Yeah, it is. I, I've found myself many a time finishing a session and then just sort of sat there. Especially like Wagadu, I feel like when it's when there's like an audience element to it, and mm. you know that kind of adds a whole kind of extra element of excitement, and then you kind of. Oh boy, okay, right. What's where we get? Uh, what's happening? <laughs> it's hard to recalibrate and be like, oh yeah, I'm a hu- I'm a normal human. Uh, I I don't have any major proficiencies to worry about. Okay, I just I can just I can just roll to sleep now. I mean, just sleep. <laughs> so so Ta- Tanya, would you say that it's more of like it's not necessarily a mechanics switch that you're having to make in terms of like remembering all the systems, but more in terms of like for some of them, it sounds like it's like the surrounding stuff that you're having to worry about. And then for some of them, it's like zeroing in on the character and the tone of the game. Mm, mm. Would you um, say that's accurate? Yeah, because I mean, with D and D, I could play D and D in my sleep for the most part. <laughs> um, but you know, with motherlands, because it's cortex and yes, it's a dice pool. And we're used to it. This is now season two of the game. 
and I'm used to it. It's just kind of thinking about, okay, here's a scenario. Here's a challenge. What am I trying to accomplish? What dice work best? And, you know, it's not as fumbly for me as in the first season because, you know, that was like, okay, we've, we've got this funding. We're trying to do this thing. We have all these eyes on us and it's a new system. Great. Great. Here we go. Um, so it's more with the two D and D shows, it's just kind of like tone and making sure I'm present, making sure that, you know, other than at least for rivals, other than mechanics of making sure the stream doesn't break is making sure I'm there. Um, and then for black dice, it's, it's being very present because even though I may not be in a scene, mm. there's still things that as a player, as long as I don't metagame it, there's still things I should know as a player mm. because it's Dave again, it's B Dave. And we know that he goes in for the long haul. Ooh. Mm. So everything mm. is relevant. Like all these little things, yeah. they are relevant. Yeah, something yeah. that was something that happened literally in the first or second episode was called back to you last night before, Ooh. like the, the day yeah. before we were recording this. And uh, um, so it's just like, oh, I, I got to be like Marisha and have my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got to be drowning yeah. in notes. Uh, I realized that recently with Jeremy as well, much to my own detriment. But uh, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> yeah, um, but, I create uh, way too many things. <laughs> so <laughs> many. At the end of it, everyone is just like. So we right. know like thirty different people, and yeah. it's like session four. Yeah, um, yeah. that's we a need to session. make a quick chart. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. we need a, we need a family like, tree for this. <laughs> you're yeah. like the dude. What's the dude from Pacific Rim with like, or is that from Pacific Rim? Like the guy with oh, the red it, yarn. Um, the scene, he, the actor oh, is in yes. Pacific Rim. In he's the scene is from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where he has like the, yes. the board yeah, yeah. with all Charlie the string. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's the crazy. Yeah, and on top of that, there's always like some mystery. So you're trying to figure out what's going on. So you're full on like there's a conspiracy and I think they're involved because of this person did this and that per yeah it's the same kind of thing <laughs> yeah that's absolutely it. um we we absolutely should get a little bit into into the motherlands because the kickstarter is is you're killing it right now it is amazing mm -hmm. um and uh uh just love to talk a bit about that because obviously like you've just brought up the sort of show itself was a twitch thing and now you're moving into making uh this uh all this sort of content in a book and uh, and I'm just like, first of all, where did that come from? Uh, was that something that you, uh, you know, did, did Twitch reach out to you? Did you reach out to Twitch? And then what was the kind of emphasis on, you know, getting the old POC team together? And, uh, and yeah, I just love to hear about that. It's such an incredible uh, project. Um, and... It, looks incredible i uh, i got i backed it on kickstarter and then i got through and i was like oh there's extras oh damn okay well i need a dice set and then i need this <laughs> and then i'm gonna need some of this as well like it was yeah and so i'm very very excited for this but um i'd love to hear about how this all started um yeah oh boy um so i was i was working with twitch kind of you know behind the scenes pitching some stuff and initially i'd pitch like some show ideas because rhyme the frost maiden was about to come out and also, um, you know, I Need Diverse Games has a Sunday night uh, RPG show that's all POC. And I wanted to do Star Trek again because I'd done it before in Roll20 mm. and I missed it. A lot of, and a lot of the cast was like, yeah, I'd love to get back together. We would just do a new game. And so I threw out those ideas and they're like, well, you know, there, there's there's a glut of fantasy already. Um, he said, IDG would be a different conversation because that is a different organization and entity. Because this is tied to me as a streamer and Cypher of Tear. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And um, and then with, with Star Trek, it was just like, oh, I'm not sure, IP. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. 
And they were like, how about you tell your own sci-fi story? And I was like, what? Oh, uh, sure. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know how many people realize I used to want to be like a professional novelist. Mm. And, you know, it just cool. didn't happen. Mostly mm. because writing novels is hard, as I've discovered as I make more friends in the writing industry. You know, it's people think there's some magic to writing. And I'm like, no, it's being able to put words down that other people want to read. Um, <laughs> and doing it well enough for people to pay you money. Um, and so... When I had initially done the pitches for the other ideas, I reached out to a bunch of people that I'd work with, collaborate with, or just like would have loved to work with in general. I'm like, here's the idea, kind of here's what it is. Would you have interest in any of these two things? And then when it pivoted to let's tell our own story, I was like, okay, well, here's the thing. Would you be more interested or what do you, where do you feel stronger about on-screen talent, developing? What is it you like to be involved with? Do you have time? Because at that point we had no idea when we when we'd start what our goal was all we knew was we were getting x amount of money and we had until the end of the calendar year to produce 36 hours of content that's what we knew at that point right yeah um and you know and this was pretty early on but we still knew like oh if we need to produce x hours by end of calendar year we need to start Oh, we have two months. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, um, wow. <laughs> so David already said yes. Just so he and I, make yeah. your own uh, sci-fi in two months. Yeah, you good? Well, it you was, good? you know, it was because initially, you know, we just talked about having the show. And then as we move forward and everything else, I'm like, I want this to be an RPG book. I want sure. this to be a book people can hold in their hand and sit down and play, you know, because we got such a good reaction. Because, again, we, before we premiered, we were like, will people like this? Will they act right? Because we we had front page as part of the of, of everything else, and you know if you get to be front page, you know the the fun it can be, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know we had such a great positive reaction. We had people that were really feeling it and they were interested, and because a lot of people burned out on fantasy, mm-hmm. um, and so you know we move forward and we're like midway through, we're like, let's do a book, and so Dave and I sat down, we mapped out the calendar. We got everybody kind of settled, and as you know, from trying to run games, it was like herding cats, trying to <laughs> yes. uh, trying to get a day and a time everyone that said they wanted to do on-screen talent was available. Hell yeah. And so for the first season, it wound up being Sunday, so my day was pretty full, basically Rivals, a couple hours, and then Motherlands, until 9 o'clock my time. So... Mm. So yeah, it worked out. And then like kind of midway through, it was like, hey, let's talk another season. Is this something you're willing to fund, not fund? And, you know, it was a whole lot of conversation. So for those of you that don't know how deals work, it can take a long time. So if you would like someone who is currently giving you money to keep giving you money, start the conversation early. <laughs> sure, um, that's good. I'm going to write that down now. <laughs> yes, yeah, so if, if you have someone willing to sponsor you and it's monetary, have a conversation, have a check-in, know what your deliverables are, etc. And so we knew, we knew before the current season ended, well, no, that's not true. We knew fairly soon after that first season ended, we'd be getting a second season. But as we all know, NBA is embargoes, yada, yada. Um, so we had to actually wait until I went on Twitch gaming to announce it, but we made it like an exclusive here on Twitch gaming. You get to know, we're going to have a new season starting in seven days. Um, but it was interesting and it was, it was, it's been so cool to see everybody bring their own spin to it, make their own characters kind of go. And for us to basically 
back the truck up and fill it with sand of our choosing Mm. versus having to go and play in the sandbox that everyone else has walked in, walked through after they came out of the ocean. Like this is nice, clean sand that we get to play in. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think the, um, the it's such it's so weird as well this was like a really weird like kind of full circle moment for us because i think christina ariel was one of our like she was quite early like third or fourth guest or something and one and of I the remember, first people to start listening to the show as well yeah like, yeah like and shared us and stuff and it was so funny because one of the first things we one of the first questions we asked was like hey we just saw it's the motherlands was announced and like can you give us any details and she was like oh well you know kind of like not really <laughs> and it feels so <laughs> awesome to now kind of like hear this from you about how that process went down and the making of it and i'm just so glad that the kickstarter is doing as well as it is and i'm mm-hmm. i can't wait to see uh like what that's gonna gonna end up looking like and and being like so we're uh yeah a big fan um yeah uh, and that. it's yeah. I mean, and it's been really dope too because the and, and we talked about this like um when the first season ended and we got everyone on the zoom call like we took a break and brought everyone on that was available and we had the devs and everyone just talking. And I believe it was uh, that bronze girl, Jasmine Bular, who, who talked about how refreshing it is to be with other people of color. Mm. You, don't, you don't have to wear the mask. I don't have to put on mm. corporate Tanya. I don't have to go, yeah, sure, let's, let's involve, involve those paradigms. Sure. You know, <laughs> we're, we're making canon. So if someone wants to do a cool thing, they're like, cool, that's canon now. And we can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's so many, like, weird small things that you don't realize until you get into a room full of PSEs. Because I think for most people, if you're growing up either over here in the UK or in America, like, it's kind of rare that you're in, like, an all POC kind of creative space mm-hmm. like that. And you don't realize the kind of the limitations that you've had. So it's like, it almost feels like you kind of, like, set free a little bit when you suddenly go, oh, we don't have to worry about whether this is going to be the right tone or whether this is going to be, this is going to send the right message about people of color or to be like all these weird pushbacks that you get when you suggest something uh, mm-hmm. when there's like a majority of white people or whatever in the room. And I think that like, yeah, it's so true about like, just, Oh, I've just realized I've, I've, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not like doing a weird thing right now, which I normally do. And then you realize it's a weird thing, you know? Yeah. And there's also the, we're making stuff that we want to make because it's cool and it's dope. We're not making it for the white gates. We're not sitting here compromising for pe- white people to be comfortable. And I know folks will get mad. And I'm like. <laughs> uh, for all of you at home, there was uh, some peace signs thrown up there. by Tanya, if you didn't get the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and just quickly, because I'm aware of like the time and everything, but I'd love to. Uh, you were talking to us just before we started recording uh, about a, a film that's going to be at Tribeca. Is that correct? This is, I mean, tell us yeah. about this. This sounds amazing. Uh, we need to link this. Uh, when's this coming out? What's it about? Tell us. Um, so Tina Charles, um, WNBA player and also filmmaker, hit me up on Twitter. I was like, hey, I want to pitch an idea to Tribeca. Uh, for those who don't know, the Queen's Collective run by Queen Latifah um, is an initiative to get more black women behind the camera and not just in front of it. Well, also in front of it. Um, and so every year, I guess, they, they bring black, black made films but specifically by black women to the festival. And it was like, Hey, I want to pitch this. No guarantees, yada, yada. And then a couple months later, she hit, she called me. It was funny because I had just gone live on stream 
And I'm like, well, I got to take this call. I got to make sure that I like mute my mic so the captions don't get me. Because, oh, um, yeah. you know, how many of us have not muted our mic, even though we like, oh. like hit the mute on the stream, but didn't actually mm. physically mute the mic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the mm-hmm. captions still get you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Walked away. And that's when she told me, yeah, they picked my idea. We're going to make this movie. So and awesome. And it's a it's a short film about me and the work that I do in the industry and about diversity and inclusion. Um, it is premiering in person at Tribeca June seventeenth, and then um, you can buy a ticket to watch it for Tribeca at home on the eighteenth. And um, if you just go to Tribeca and look up uh, Festival Guide Films, and it is under the shorts or Queen or Studios Queen. It's not under Tribeca Studios. It's not listed there, but yeah, you can watch it starting June eighteenth. At uh, six PM for fifteen dollars. Very um, that is that's so exciting. Uh, yeah. What an amazing thing! Like you're in a film it's about you. That's so awesome. Uh, uh, sweet. So uh, uh, to, to to wrap up uh, this, we always ask our guests for a tale from the table, uh, just like a oh uh, wild experience, something that's happened at the table. It can be from a home game. It can be from a, something street, something you've streamed. Uh, just something wild that's happened that sticks out in your head. Usually, the more chaotic and silly the better uh that's what we always tend to go for so anything like that we'd love to hear it um so the season that i gm'd rivals season eight um the rivals wound up in rivals end which is a a a prison in Bryn Shander. and i constantly had to remind them that they were in jail and i was like you know they were like, I'm just going to go get so-and-so. I'm like, you're in jail. You don't have your possessions. <laughs> you, we literally RP'd you getting checked into jail and them taking all your stuff. And the good thing is, I mean, good slash I'm glad of, none of us know how prison actually works. Sure. <laughs> because I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, don't you just know how this works? No, I've never been to jail. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> just because we're brown doesn't mean we know what it's like to go to jail. Um <laughs> What got me specifically, and, and Brandon, I hope if you hear this, you'll laugh too, is Rin, played by Brandon Stennis, decided he was going to flirt with one of the NPCs I'd made. And he decided he was going to go as far as like breaking his elbow to get this guard's attention so he'd have to take him to the infirmary. Ooh. And I just, you can see the look on my face where I'm like, let me get this right. You want to actually injure yourself. <laughs> so this NPC has to take you to the infirmary for whatever reason you think you really need to go to the infirmary in this prison. He's like, yes. And then he, he, he changed his mind because based after some roles, he realized the, the thing he was looking for was not in the infirmary or the NPC. And I'm just like, you were about to break your elbow. Now, keep in mind, I've never broken a bone. Knock on wood. I've never done it. <laughs> Do you know how immobile you would be if you broke your elbow? <laughs> For like and a I long really, time as well. Like not- and he's like, but there's magic. And I'm like, but you're not a healer. You know, the person <laughs> who can heal isn't with your party right now because I'm the GM and Selyse is off doing whatever she's doing. And you're so, in prison. <laughs> like, I just and, need- and like, even if you went to the prison jail... They're not going to waste magic on a prisoner. And my brain just, I start going off on this total tangent of, <laughs> of like, you're in jail. But that whole season, I sit there and go, you're in prison. 
you don't yeah, have your things. <laughs> and it was just, it was such chaos. But after a while, but the other part of that was uh, Latia's character decided to start a fight. And she's a monk. Oh. So, you know, monks are ridiculous, especially like level 13 is where I think we were that season. Mm. And, you know, you get like three, four attacks. You can action surge, get more attacks. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, you just started a fight with a whole gang of NPCs that just wanted to talk to you. Literally, that's all they wanted. <laughs> and now you've made it harder to achieve your objective because you did the movie monologue thing of telling them your whole story and that you, we don't really belong here. This is just a ruse. And I'm like, and I just sat there and I really was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I'm just. You know what? Y'all have this fight. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, you, you really thrown. Like, why did you tell the? Because the reason the fight happens because they decide to tell the NPCs why they were in jail. They don't really belong there. And I'm like, that has never worked in the, any movie ever, <laughs> <laughs> or in real life. <laughs> yes, especially Every not in real life. Was wrongly convicted. <laughs> as far as they're concerned, and I'm just like, y'all gonna die in Rebels End. That's so funny. I can so, I can so, I can feel that moment. Like it's so tangible. Like I can feel it. The moment where you, as a DM, kind of go like, really? Okay, really? Are you sure? Because <laughs> I did mention earlier. No, okay, we're still okay. You're gonna break your elbow. Okay, okay, roll your dice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we still don't quite know what happened to Brandon's character because he left the show willingly. You know, he was like, I've kind of hit my my end goal of what I want to do. Um, <clears throat> so all we know is he went off with this guard and we don't quite know what actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> he broke his elbow, was taken away, and we never... <laughs> well, he decided him- not... Yeah, well, he decided not to do the breaking elbow thing, but he did. He did go with the NPC, which I freely admit I made. I based off Fenris from Dragon Age Two, um, <laughs> except I made him like this ridiculously overpowered fighter. I'm like, just remember, yes, you're level thirteen. I've made the NPCs in Rebels End pretty strong, so y'all can start a fight, but it may not go the way you plan. Mm. Mm. There is definitely a certain confidence that comes from players once they get, I feel like over about level 11, level 12, they start Mm. thinking the world's a lot smaller than it is. And uh, sometimes you just have to remind them. Sometimes you have to just go, hey, just so you know, you're not the biggest fish in this pond. Not just yet. Do you know what I mean? You've got a couple more levels to go before you start really smoking stuff. So just, just stay calm. (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, we're other... level. Oh, sorry, we're level fifteen now. Mm, mm. I feel like at level fifteen, that's where I, as a DM, start getting a little bit squeaky. I'm like, ah, man, there's a few things I can I I can throw at you, and it feels like we're in TPK zone here, or we're in like, uh, or you're just gonna smush. This yeah, game. like this is gonna. I think that's know. kind of what happens is once you get past a certain point of power, the monsters kind of become an all or nothing nothing affair. It's mm. like you either manage to beat these gigantic like city destroying monsters, or you guys lose. Yeah, yeah. Right, or you die. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Forever kind of die as well. Not yeah, like a, and like uh, you end maybe. up with, 
you know. Somebody get banished or like all sorts of cra- like feeble minded, like all sorts of craziness starts to happen at those levels, I feel like as well. Yeah. So much craziness. Uh, well, T- Tanya, thank you so much for, for being here. Uh, obviously, before you uh, go, please tell everyone, uh, anyone who, who, who doesn't know uh, you, you, all of your stuff, uh, where they can find it, where they can find you on the internet and interact with your stuff, uh, and uh, and especially this Into Motherlands Kickstarter, because everyone needs to see this. Um, I'm far too easily findable on the internet. <laughs> C-Y-P-H-R-O-F-T-Y-R. Um, that is me, my streams, stuff I'm doing personally, announcements. Um, and while we're taping, I was finally able to say that, uh, speaking of rivals, Solis is going to be an Idol Champions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So cool. So cool. So, so by the time you're hearing this, you'll be able to play as Solis in Idol Champions. Um, That's really cool. And... That's some, end cool. goals. That's some end goal stuff for sure. Like I feel like yeah. getting a character in Idle Champions, like, okay, I'm 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 here now. This is cool. It's <laughs> it's wild. I'm gonna be in a video game. It's so wild to me. Yeah, that's very cool. Um and then um, you know, for Rivals Waterdeep, everything is Rivals Waterdeep on Twitter or Rivals of Waterdeep on Twitch. Sunday is 10 a.m. Pacific, uh 12 p.m. Central. Come hang out. This will be week four of our shenanigans in season 10 to the road to 100 episodes. Um, you know, Instagram, all that fun stuff. We have a Patreon where you can get the podcast version early. And um, depending on how our patron patronage goes, we may try to do extra content, play games with folks. It's just a matter of time and hitting our patron goals. And then um, Black Dice Society, you can find me Thursday nights, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Central. Official Wizards uh, social channels, which is Twitch and YouTube. And Wednesdays on my channel, which... This upcoming week is episode seven of Into the Motherlands, and that is also 4 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Central. Motherlands R- Into the Motherlands RPG on Kickstarter, which ends June 19th at like 2 in the morning Pacific. So as we are chatting, the Kickstarter may have tipped over to 240. I have to double check. Damn. Whoa. Whoa. We're close. We are $12 away from $240,000. Wow. Some hefty numbers. Wow. Yeah, it seems unreal, but also, pro tip, when you run a Kickstarter, they get 5% before you see a single penny, minus anything else. Ooh, that's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, so... Be prepared for a good chunk of that money, even though you're super excited for that high number, mm, mm. to go away before you even get to touch it. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, sure. I, uh, I I feel like there's been, you know, we've, we've been like, oh, you know, it'd be cool if we could release content and stuff one day. And then I saw your Kickstarter, I was like, you know, that's that's a whole chunk of change. I don't know if I want to be uh, messing around with those kind of numbers. So I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to stay in my lane well, over here. And <laughs> well, you know, and I know we're really doing outros, but, but a quick thing about Kickstarter too is mm. that, People seem to think that that means that's all extra money. Mm. It's not. Because the more people that pledge, the more things you have to produce. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't, like, a lot of the physical things are add-ons for that reason. Instead of going, everyone gets a Bertrand. Everyone. At, like, at certain levels, everyone does get the dice. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, instead of guaranteeing all these physical extras, because someone has to design it, someone has to make it, someone has to ship it. Someone has to assemble your whole, you know, mm. award that you that you pledge for and get it to you. And you know, with you being in the UK, we have to deal with that and shipping. Yeah, sorry, and... thank you though. I appreciate. I'm excited for my dice. <laughs> yeah, no, but but people like well, as we ask for a new stretch goal, stretch start, stretch 
goals, people came with such outlandish things. And I'm like, <laughs> so that's like a few thousand more you're adding per person, mind you. Mm-hmm. Because we got to design it. We got to make it. We got to see if people want it. And I even saw someone say, oh, Kickstarter is free money. I'm like, since when? <laughs> yeah. I need still to making where free money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah not, it's definitely not like just like cash in the pocket, you know, let's all go out for a nice night out. It's like, no, we're making a thing which is costing, yeah. which is going to cost a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, we set a goal of like, this is the bare minimum of what we could possibly make this thing for. Any more just makes it less, you know, scary to make, right? It's not like mm-hmm. a, oh yeah, we're millions. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's Yeah, that's and okay. you know, it'd be great to hit like a half million or a million, but again, the more money you bring in, the higher the expectation is. And again, mm-hmm. as we said, since we're black folks, we can't fuck this up. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, Tanya, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And um, just like a, a pleasure when, you know, when we first started out on this journey, you know, uh, you've been you know, one of the constants of this of this community. And I think that, um, you know, you've done so much for it. And I think that uh, it's, yeah, it's, so it's pretty amazing to get to talk to you about this stuff. And so uh, thank you for everything you're doing. And hopefully we'll get to chat to you again some other time. But thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, and I'd love to like do like a fun one shot where basically we just have to show up and we just play and it's not like, oh my God, I want to shoot my shot and play with you or whatever. It's like, we're just going to be off. We're going to be off a stream. We're going to sit here with our drinks and yes. just chill. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I've done it once before. Um, and we're actually thinking about potentially just maybe recording some of them as well. But I've done a like a, a completely improvised one shot and it was so much fun. Jeremy, your character was called, what was it, Denaldius Duck? Yes, <laughs> At level 15... Duck. Gloomstalker, uh, something. He was a Gloomstalker ranger mixed with, I think, assassin rogue and something else. I don't remember. It but was very strong, very overpowered, very, very overpowered. It was incredible. So yeah, like for sure. Let's let's just do a little. Let's do an improvised game. Let's get together. Absolutely, that sounds great. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, I hope that you halflings have enjoyed this. Uh, obviously, don't forget that you can find us at TB Halflings if you want to follow us on social medias. You can find our Patreon uh, at the same place at, for, at uh, patreon.com forward slash TB Halflings, uh, where there's a bunch of goodies there. Uh, and I think that's about everything, so I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Thank you very much. So long, Shire Folk. <laughs> so long, Shire Folk. I still wave every episode. Me too. I wave too. (laughs) All three of us wave. That was a HeadGum Podcast.